Welcome to Chat NDT with ASNT, a podcast from the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing. I'm Debbie Siegler, the host of the podcast. Christian Smith is one of the founding members of Interactive Aerial. Interactive Aerial is a manufacturing and service company based in Traverse City, Michigan, which focuses on building robotic solutions to better address internal infrastructure inspections, specifically GPS-denied confined space environments. Christian is the company's president overseeing Interactive Aerial's sales team and global distribution partners and managing day-to-day company operations. He studied business at the University of North Dakota, becoming a commercial pilot and certified flight instructor during his time at the university. Christian is one of 20 elected commercial members on the American Society of Mechanical Engineers Special Working Group for Unmanned Aerial Systems Standards. The goal of the special working group is to develop, review, and maintain guidelines, standards for requirements, and methods for industrial plant inspection using safe and reliably operating unmanned aerial systems and unmanned aerial vehicles. Welcome, Christian, to Chat NDT with ASNT. Welcome, Christian. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me today. Absolutely, Debbie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. I'd like to know, how did you first become involved in NDT, or how did you begin your career in NDT? Yeah, of of course. Great question. So I started my career, um, actually, it comes from the aviation side. So our business, uh, Interactive Aerial, started as a drone manufacturing company. So we started building a drone, and we picked a very particular niche uh, within the industry, which was building systems for uh, specifically indoor confined space inspections. So that's actually how we got into the NDT community was was through our drone building, which is kind of funny. So um, I actually went to flight school and business school. So I I had no formal background in the industry at all. I just come from uh, the aviation side and my business partners are all engineers. Um, and that's where our, our drone creation came from. And that got us into the, uh, the NDT and inspection space from there. Can you tell me how you began your company? Uh, so Interactive Aerial started as a, a drone manufacturing company, and, and basically we were working alongside of a, a pretty well-known inspection group. Uh, they're based here in the United States and do work around the world, but uh, they were struggling with finding a drone for internal flight. Uh, so they asked our company to help. We, we knew each other through the, uh, the education space, so through the collegiate uh, space, we, we kind of uh, crossed paths. And so they asked for my my three business partners, the four of us started the company, uh, but the three of them to kind of help build the drone, um, they're all on the engineering side of the house. So we created a, an aircraft specifically for indoor confined space inspections. And um, that's where our company got started. Um, it morphed into using that drone uh, for inspection services and selling the drone outright. So we have a, a number of big power customers uh, in the power generation space, um, chemical, um, paper mills, things like that. 
Um, and then we got into a couple of other products, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in, in the podcast today as well. Uh, can you talk about the specific beginnings of the company and the robotic technology that you used, giving some examples of uh, inspection situations? Of course. Yeah. So our first product was a drone. It was uh, it was an eight eight rotor aircraft, what we call multi rotor. So um, it was built for indoor flight. So a number of drones back in that time, like 2015 to 2017 were really being built for the outdoor market. And a lot of the attention was being pulled to the outdoor external drone flying space. So there was a big gap on the indoor confined space market. And a lot of people wondered why you would even want to fly a drone in there. But now as we get into 2021 and and, and people are starting to not only see it, but routinely use drones for internal inspections. And so we were just one of the, the, you know, kind of early adopters to this concept. And so our drone specifically used LIDAR technology or a laser-based system to navigate and uh, use that for collision avoidance inside of these confined spaces. So most outdoor drones fly with a GPS and a compass. They rely on those two pieces of equipment for external flight. But when you put those inside of a confined space or an asset like a boiler or a storage tank, it has a lot of magnetic interference. And that's really why those those systems are not reliable or fairly unusable inside of the environments that we're flying in. So instead of using a GPS and a compass, our drone uh, uses a LIDAR-based system. And that's all through software. Uh, It knows where it is inside the environment and then what to stay away from. You had asked about where we were flying the drone. I kind of alluded there, boilers. So big power generating stations inside of coal and natural gas boilers, um, in, inside of the, the flue gas stacks at a plant, um, some scrubbers uh, you know, at the plant setting, a lot of chemical spaces nowadays. Um, so tanks and pressure vessels and mixed tanks um, in the chemical setting. Um, and municipal, like in municipal water, where it's wastewater and sewers and things like that nuclear power, uh, cargo ships, um, you name it. There's a a number of industries we service now um, flying inside of those different assets. Can you talk about the difference or the evolution of moving from drones to the, uh, what you have developed now? Yeah, great question. So we started off with the drone and then moved into what we have now, which is Zenith. Uh, The Zenith system is a pretty new concept. It basically takes about 80 to 90% of our drone technology. And if you ever get a chance to see a picture of it, it looks absolutely nothing like a drone. Uh, The simplest way to explain it, it's like an electronic fishing pole sitting on a tripod. And instead of bait being at the end of the fishing pole, it's an inspection camera. And we lower that down inside of assets and inside of confined spaces to do inspection work um, in, instead of putting drones in there. So uh, the Zenith system is, is all inspired and works through drone technology. It wouldn't be possible if we hadn't started with the drone. I think that when you and I originally spoke, you talked to me about that you started with the drones and then there was a specific customer request and you guys were like brainstorming frantically that sort of was how the Zenith um, technology was developed and you started with like a cardboard like model. Is Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. 
Yep, you you sure are. So we had a, a an inspection service job in Chicago, and a customer was was doing some shaft inspections down into the ground. So it's about three hundred feet deep, um, and and about half of them were great for the drone, and the other half we just couldn't quite pull off with with the way the aircraft is set up and the way those those assets were set up. So they they said, look, you guys have the contract. You have to figure this out. So we came up with this prototype of Zenith. And it was very rudimentary, right? It was it was not really intended to be a product. We had no intentions of making it a product, um, but we had a like a rifle sighting tripod, uh, electric conduit pipes, a boat winch, a Dewalt drill, and then a laser cut plywood box that we basically showed up with and did this inspection. We had a very nice camera on the end. I'm sure at some point today we'll talk about data collection with robotics, but um, you know that's really the the end end game for a number of customers. They don't really care in which how it's collected; they just care about what is collected. So we actually had the camera and the gimbal from our drone on this plywood box, and and it worked so well that we brought it to a number of facilities during the fall outage season in 2019. And uh, that's where we, we we really ended up seeing some great success with Zenith and decided to make a product out of it then. What kind of indications are you looking for with Zenith? Yeah, good question. So we, on the data collection side, usually that's customer driven. Um, sometimes when we show up to do inspections at facilities, they have a very particular interest. A, a couple of times this year, we've worked with a power customer uh, that has a particular asset that they're having routine failures in, and it's fleet-wide. And, and so we're finding very specific common problems there. And it's something that they knew and know of ahead of time prior to our arrival. And now we're getting pretty consistent at finding it. So that's something where you know we expect to find that defect or those flaws, whereas some customers have us come out just to do you know regulatory required inspections where we're just we're just doing an uh, you know an official look around and and saying you know we don't see anything crazy here it's just you know we're doing it to check the regulatory box to say yes this inspection has been done but we actually find that the asset is in great health and doesn't need any attention at all which is a big benefit of using something like a robotics uh, system you can put that in there and and really justify do we need to go in make entry and make repairs or is this asset healthy to continue operating for another couple of years, five years, 10 years? And it's such a lower barrier to entry, right? It's it's so much quicker, it's so much cheaper, and at the end of the day, a lot safer to, to staff within a plant setting. So that's the primary reason why we bring robotics and what we're looking for. Can you tell me about your measurement software? Absolutely. So our both of our hardware products, the, the drone and the Zenith system have the capability to take very fine measurements within the photos that we collect. So we take very high resolution pictures and we have a LIDAR sensor system up in the gimbal of both products and that fuels our photo measurement software. So that gives you a live ruler functionality within these high resolution pictures. So in the, in the evolution of data from customers, the first question always was, do we have a defect inside of this asset? Well, naturally cameras fix that, no problem. The second question was, okay, we found that defect, how big is it? That was the second big question customers asked. And that's where our measurement software comes into play. It's, it's giving quantitative distances to what these defects are, right? We know very specifically how big it is, 
And then specifically, the third question usually is, you know, how fast is it growing? Is it growing? As we look at a rate of growth, um, you know, is this thing moving at all or is it the same is it the same size year after year? And with the measurement software, we can compare inspections year after year and actually derive that rate and tell somebody, you know, not only is this growing, but here's how fast it's growing. And we've done that for a number of customers. The, the last question usually is where is it located inside of my asset? And we have location tagging through the software as well. Uh, it tells you just exactly where inside of the asset that's located. But that measurement software is, is able to measure something as small as one thirty-second of an inch. So very finite measurements and very small defects can be can be found and measured with with the technology that we've created. And what do you see as the efficiencies being achieved using ro- robots? Well, there's there's three things we really focus on when it comes to why why use robots, right? Whether it's a drone, whether it's a crawler, an ROV, three fundamentals every single time. It's it's always quicker for the most part, right? And 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 I and I guess a grain of salt on all of these, but um, you know, for the most part, it's always quicker. Uh, routinely much faster than preparing an asset uh, for for a routine inspection. I'll talk to our space specifically at this point, but uh, on the internal confined space standpoint, you know, you're building scaffolding, you're doing a lot of cleaning, you're preparing it for human entry, tons of paperwork, um, all of this stuff. And, and instead, we can just drop a camera in in five, 10 minutes and get you a pretty good gut check on what things are like. So it's much quicker. Uh, to piggyback off of that, all of those costs are saved, so it's typically a lot cheaper, right? It's a lot more cost efficient to put uh, something like a robotic system, like an aerial robotic system, drone, zenith, uh, inside of a vessel because you can do so without the cost of building scaffolding and days of downtime. People often don't think about how much uh, downtime uh, costs a company like an asset owner or an operator. Um, it's not just the inspection cost, it's how much money they're losing by not making that part of the plant up and running and efficient, right? So that's another big piece. Last but not least is the biggest part for us. Um, and it's the entire cornerstone of why our company exists. And it's the safety of personnel doing this work. It's keeping people safe. It's keeping them out of confined spaces. It's keeping people away from hazardous material. Our Xena system was just recently inside of a, a number of tanks that contain hydrofluoric acid. I mean, the last time they did inspections like that for these vessels, they put human beings in there. Unbelievable, right? And, and we can put a Zenith in there instead of a person subjected to hydrofluoric acid. So the, the biggest efficiency out of all is certainly the safety element for inspectors. I can't believe how many people we lose annually to confined space deaths. It's pretty, pretty terrifying. Christian, can you walk me through the training for both systems that you have? So, so training kind of looks a little bit different for both of our products. So on the drone side of the house, um, you know, right now, and I'm speaking for the United States specifically, the FAA, uh, Federal Aviation Administration, has has required a commercial operator, so somebody flying a drone for revenue or monetary purposes, um, they are required to have a pilot certificate to operate that flight. So right now it comes out of the Federal Aviation Regulations, the FARs Part 107, uh, or commonly referred to as the Part 107, um, and that pilot's license is a remote pilot certificate. 
And that allows a person to go on to a site and fly a, a, an inspection job for revenue purposes. So it's interesting because the FAA actually does not put their hands in the indoor space. So if it's within a contained structure or reasonably contained structure, you actually don't legally need that pilot's license to fly inside of confined spaces. Uh, if you fly outside of the plant setting or if you're flying outdoors, you absolutely have to have it. But it's an interesting perspective on, on the pilot certificate. You actually don't need one to fly inside legally, but most of the companies we work for require that pilot's license anyways. It's a good baseline and the foundation of knowledge, safety and proficiency of operations. So a lot of our customers require a pilot certificate for indoor flight anyways. It's kind of becoming routinely accepted. So you have to have that pilot's license for the most part. And then we do in-person training for our drone. So someone can come to our facility. We do a one or a two day course, depending on how uh, experienced they are behind the sticks of a, of a drone. So that's the aircraft side of the house. So when you compare drone training to something like the Zenith system, the Zenith is, is drastically more simple to learn how to operate. There's only about nine buttons on the controller, and we do all of our training there through um, online videos. We have a portal on our website where our customers log in and watch a handful of videos. They're under an hour, and they're feeling comfortable to uh, take Zenith out in the field and get it using or get it working, excuse me. Um, so it is a, a much quicker process on something like Zenith. It's a, a simple piece of equipment, doesn't require that in-person training like drones, doesn't require a pilot's license like drones. We can walk into to the average plant operator or inspector, um, hand it off and, and let them rock and roll with it. Uh, drones are, are, are you know, an, an easier tool than building scaffolding inside of an asset. Zenith seems to be even easier than a drone, which is something we're really enjoying. So one thing that AS&T always considers and, and really we have a big push is if someone doesn't want to go to college, how could they get into, how would they get hired on by your company? Is that something, do you need a college education? Can you have a high school education and then get trained on the job? What type of education do you need? So education backgrounds that we look for in, in, in individuals applying for the company, for us, it's a lot more experience-based. Um, so individuals that have had some experience operating drones, um, whether it be outdoors, I mean, a lot of people uh, don't have a ton of experience operating in kind of a plant environment. But, you know, for us, we don't necessarily require a college degree. Uh, maybe on our engineering side of the house where we're creating and developing the technology, but for uh, people that are assembling the systems, um, actually building the drones and building Zenus, our operators out in the field that are on the inspection service team, we can certainly look at more of the experience background than we would necessarily an education background. A number of the folks that are on our team here um, actually come from a two-year associate degree program. So we don't have all that many four-year bachelor's uh, folks on the staff here, uh, which is was actually kind of interesting. So uh, no, we certainly don't require anything like that. And it's not, uh, certainly isn't the number one thing that we look for. Can you talk about how your company uses artificial intelligence to inspect? Yes. So artificial intelligence is becoming a, a very popular discussion in the inspection world, and especially through uh, robotic technology like drones and other systems. 
Um, our company specifically has been, been working with artificial intelligence on the data analysis side. Uh, so just recently or a couple of months ago, I, I did a, a, a webinar with ASNT's Learn program, and, and we talked a lot about this, which was automation and art, artificial intelligence in the robotics community. And uh, there's kind of two sides, the AI and autonomy. There's the, the operation side. So things like the drone and Zenith being autonomous through the plant setting, right? Thinking for itself, operating by itself. But then you have a whole different side of artificial intelligence that operates on the data analysis side. So taking thousands of photos and through artificial intelligence, finding the ones that it deems to have a problem. And it learns how to deem those problems by teaching a computer just like you, you teach a human being, right? Like we were just talking about uh, teaching, uh, you know, students that come out of the college setting or out of the high school setting how to do this job in the field. You got to do that with artificial intelligence. The computer does not instantly know how to find a crack or a corrosion spot in an asset. But when you teach it hundreds and sometimes thousands of photos to teach it what that looks like and how to recognize it, it becomes substantially more educated and, and more effective and efficient at its job. And that's how you train AI. And we're, we're using that right now um, in a few inspection spaces, particularly in the nuclear industry on the concrete uh, side of the house. So we've partnered with Westinghouse um, to, to do nuclear-based inspections through, through drone technology. And we're using artificial intelligence for crack detection in concrete. And that's for the uh, nuclear-specific inspections on concrete containment cooling towers and a various number of different concrete assets within the nuclear plant environment. Are you doing research and development on Zenith and do you have other iterations planned for the future? Yeah, absolutely. So we're mainly focused on the Zenith right now from the R&D perspective. So our, our kind of our company stance on that is there are a number of drones out there, right? There's tons and tons of drones, but there's, there's only one Zenith. And Zenith is, is operating in its own unique class of robotics. It kind of created its own little class there. And so we're, we're really enjoying that time right now. And it allows us to do quite a bit with the product because we don't have anything to, to design against. There's not other drones out there or other Zeniths out there that we have to kind of to fit within that norm. Uh, Zenith allows us to really just think outside of the box. And so... Um, the, the future of that system has a path to autonomous much quicker than something like drones do. Drones, especially indoor drones, earlier in the podcast, we talked about uh, why drones that are, are built for outdoors struggle inside. Um, and that's because of that GPS and that compass technology really struggles with the magnetic interference often presented by concrete and, and metals that, that they're flying within. Um, so that makes it very difficult for drones that fly inside. Uh, to operate effectively. And, and those two pieces of, of technology, the GPS and Compass, make it easier for outdoor drones to be fully autonomous. So there's a lot of work to be done for indoor drones to be fully autonomous. And something like Zenith makes it easy to transition into that a lot quicker. It safely hangs from a cable and Zenith can, can already do a number of automated inspections. So there's really three different levels of robotic inspections. There's the manual operation where you're driving Automated is where the robot is being told what to do, but then it goes out and does it, right? It, it does it by itself. It doesn't need the human to, to drive it and command it. 
it just needs to be taught like the environment, how high, how tall, wide, uh, overlap percentages, all that stuff. Then autonomous is where the system fully thinks for itself. So it's self-sufficient, it's self-aware, it's learning its own environment. The human or the operator doesn't have to tell it anything. It just goes in and figures it out on its own. So we're already automated with Zenith, but our path to autonomous is, is really not far off. So we're driving that with, with Zenith very quickly here. Um, and another, uh, you know, a couple of other really fun, um, uh, you know, add-ons to Zenith, like uh, payloads beyond just visual. So that's one thing drones really struggle with is putting additional weight and additional sensors on uh, because it really influences the, the weight and the flight time and the performance. Something like Zenith safely hanging from the cable there, we can load up the weight and not struggle with that decrease in performance. So we can put larger LIDAR payloads on there for three-dimensional point clouds and thermal cameras on there and gas detection systems. So we're focusing on that and then uh, uh, remote viewing. So, so customers can inspect in Texas, but then maybe you know, watch that inspection live out of their headquarters in Ohio um, or in, in Pennsylvania or something, right? It's remote viewing, but seeing it live. So a number of fun things coming to Zenith here uh, over the next few months and years. Um, and that's really where our R&D is focused. What's been your most interesting or unusual inspection using Zenith? So our most unusual and, and strange inspection happened a few months ago. Um, and, and honestly, in the time that we've probably filmed this podcast, there's been more. But um, we, we did, uh, not too long ago, hydrofluoric acid tanks. I kind of referenced that earlier in the podcast. Um, to me, and you know, maybe to the average plant inspector, hydrofluoric acid is, is, is fairly common for the most part. But for us, uh, that, was, that was a very unique challenge. I mean, what the the corrosion presented to technology and, and, and some of the circuit boards that go into Zenith uh, were very interesting and challenging. Uh, but that, that hydrofluoric acid eats just everything. And when you look at uh, why, why put robots into vessels, um, I, I've continued to reference a few times is, is the safety element. And that one has been very unique for us, um, has been putting Zenith inside of something like hydrofluoric acid. Um, another really interesting one uh, that we've done not too long ago was uh, was was the agricultural world. Um, a weird phenomenon that I had to learn more about, but where um, where grain and and beans where they spontaneously combust and explode uh, when it hits pockets pockets of uh, you know of explosive gases. We we had that not too long ago at a at an agricultural storage facility where they had a, a concrete silo holding soybeans. And it exploded and they needed to assess the damage. So we sent Zenith down about 120 feet into the, into the plant and uh, looked at, <laughs> at, at this damage from an explosion. So that was another very interesting one we did not too long ago as well. But they're coming every day. So, so who knows where we've, we've ventured since then. So for the person that is up top and reading the inspection or viewing the inspection do they need to be certified uh asnt certified or or have some type of ndt certification so the 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 operators that actually control zenith do not need any sort of asnt or or any like level level background right from an inspection standpoint um, that would be the folks actually assessing and auditing the data. So our, you know, our operators to our company and then our customers 
Um, they just do that video training that we were talking about earlier, and that's enough to get Zenith up on its feet. Uh, but but then when it comes to the data analysis and that engineering review, that's where we really rely on those certified and authorized inspectors. Um, you know, our team does not actually have them on our staff just because we service so many industries. One day we'll be in a nuclear plant, the next day in a chemical facility, and then the next is a, is a wastewater fecal tank, right? They're, they're all over the map. So it's hard for us to service every industry that we do. But that's where we rely on our end user customers, the asset owners, sometimes a third party inspection company for them to bring or use one of those authorized inspectors. So um, the, the ASNT population will be certainly needed. And even as that artificial intelligence from the data analysis side becomes more and more prevalent, that does not eliminate the need for an inspector or an authorized inspector. Basically, where where that artificial intelligence is working right now, it trims like 1,000 or 2,000 photos gathered in an inspection, and it just slims it down to maybe 30 or 40. And, and an authorized inspector still certainly needs to, to be looking at or reviewing those 30 and 40. It just doesn't waste their time going from 2,000 down to 40. They just have to focus on that 40 and can do a much, much better analysis of those photos that, that the software has identified to be a problem. So, um, you know, it's it's more on the data analysis side that we need those authorized inspectors, not necessarily on the scene side. What trends do you see in your part of the industry? Trends are, are quick. That's what we've noticed. So the, the, the industry, especially in the drone space, things are just changing so quickly. Uh, technology is evolving very quickly. Um, adoption of the technology is changing very quickly. Um, it's just, and then when you put it all together, it's just fast. And I think that's probably one of the biggest complaints from people like asset owners and operators that, that, that are struggling with this debate of, do we buy this technology and keep it in house? Or do we rely on our inspection service partners? Or do we rent? Uh, that's something we did from the drone to Zenith. We started renting out the system. So we have rental partners around the world that help with that. Um, and, it, and it's basically that trend of things are just moving so quick. And, and something that we've personally done as a company to address that is we've tried an upgrade as you go business model because technology changes so fast. Customers are having a hard time justifying the purchase of, of some of this expensive equipment like annually. So we've worked on an upgrade as you go business model where, where you just have to upgrade those particular components. And, and most of our upgrades are under 10% of the purchase price. So that's one of the ways we're trying to address that uh, rapid expansion and growth is just making it easier for folks to own this stuff and kind of increase in that, that longevity of the system. So, you know, those are some of the key trends on, on our side from the drone space. Uh, trends from the NDT side using robotics is, is a pretty quick path away from just visual-based inspections. We talked about how Zenith has the ability to carry payloads beyond just visual, um, and that's one of the things we're really getting asked about a lot. Customers have been dealing with drones for about, I'd say, 10, 10 or so years now. Uh, that's been a pretty common theme amongst the, the industrial setting is drones are great at that, that three major benefit areas we've talked about, uh, cost, safety, and uh, time on site, right? 
but now they're asking for more, and that trend on asking for more is getting outside of just visual. So we want it automated. We want to keep our inspectors doing other things than running robots around the plant all day, and we want it to be doing more than just visual. So you're seeing a lot on ultrasonic thickness reading. You're seeing a lot right now on LIDAR-based inspections for three-dimensional point clouds and 3D modeling through visual data. It's just taking a picture is just not good enough anymore. We've got to expand. And that's kind of where that trend is moving from specifically the NDT space. Would that involve infrared as well? Yes, thermal and infrared, all of those payloads would also be included on that expansion outside of just visuals. Like the, the drone and Zenith space was built with visual as the foundation, but you don't stop at the foundation of a building. We've got to keep going. So that's where uh, that next evolution of growth for our space challenge lies in, in, in diversifying outside of just visual-based inspections. Well, Christian, I'd like to thank you for your time and thank you for speaking to me and thank you for participating in chat NDT with ASNT. Thank you, Debbie. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today, and I, I hope that uh, your listeners get, get something out of our podcast today. Uh, drones and robotics are, are, are here to be the cornerstone of the future, and, and uh, we still need every one of the inspectors working today to help us through that. Um, we're just getting the data. We need, we need those experts in the field helping us uh, manipulate it and understand it better. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak today and, and, and hope that your listeners have enjoyed it just as much as I have. So thank you, Debbie. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Chat NDT with ASNT. For more information about our organization, please visit our website at asnt.org. You can also connect with us on social media at ASNT Info on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Chat NDT with ASNT is copyrighted by the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing, ASNT, creating a safer world.